धनम ब्राह्मणा ओम 
and he is associate professor at the department of philosophy and religion university of north texas uh, he has toured india uh, talking about uh, the dharma ecology uh, particularly he specializes in jain ecology and uh, today he is going to talk about uh, the ecological concepts of jainism sir over to you thank you dr paturi thank you harikiran ji and the team to for organizing this wonderful first ever entire conference on this topic of indigenous traditions and ecology i am pretty sure that uh, many speakers have already touched upon hinduism and ecology hindu dharma and ecology uh, which is also actually my core area my first book my phd dissertation was on hinduism and ecology actually mostly hinduism and ecology focusing on the bishnoi community swadhyay parivar and bheel community in maharashtra gujarat rajasthan area my second book was based on uh, indigenous uh native traditions of himalayas and punjab sikhism and uttarakhand traditions and some local groups what they are trying to do to save the environmental resources in uttarakhand and punjab so that was my second book uh so, but today i uh, i th- i thought because uh, the conference that you have organized uh, does mention that you want to cover hinduism buddhism jainism paganism and so on i thought i'll focus on jainism today so that uh, it will be a little bit newer and different from other speakers so i'm focusing on jainism uh, jain dharma and ecology uh because in my observation uh dealing with or teaching or researching these topics for almost two decades now uh there are some things that are that are that i would like to continue to remind maybe many of many of us already know this but i'll just in my own humble way i'll just remind that uh, you know share that what exactly how exactly is jainism or jain dharma or jain philosophy how is it different from hindu philosophy or hindu dharma many times in western encyclopedia and even indian uh, people's uh, thoughts i think it comes across as if jainism is an offshoot of hinduism that's at least in english language that kind of a line, line is used which is uh, which is partly true and partly not true because jains have no problem in calling themselves as hindus at least in my you know at least some of the jain people some may just deny even that they might say that no jain jain people are different from hindu people that's a that's a bigger controversy but jain philosophy uh can be seen as an with some overlaps and some common elements with hindu philosophy obviously karma and, and many other things but uh some things are really distinct and different from uh, hindu philosophy uh for example jain philosophy says that there is no creator god there is no preserver god there is no destroyer destroyer god there is the etern- the 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 time the universe the cycle is eternal it never was created and it will never end so it's it's an eternal cycle eternal process it will go for go on forever universe and time and soul every soul even after attaining the enlightenment even after that even after after moksha the soul remains separate and distinct from all the other souls in the universe so there is no brahman where all souls are merging uh, to to put it simply how advaita vedanta will teach us here in jain dharma each soul remains distinct and separate for eternity even after moksha it goes into uh, some uh, you know if i crudely translate some kind of a moksha land it's called siddhashila on the top of the universe where all the souls will stay there forever in perfect peace perfect energy and perfect omniscience 
omniscience or you know sarvagyata uh, but the souls will remain separate and distinct from all the other souls so that's these are really interesting and different features of jain dharma uh, uh, that uh, i thought i'll share more so let's now all of these philosophical ideas of jain dharma how they connect with environmental uh, themes that that is the topic of the conference so let me now share that so time is less so i'll again have, have to cut down a lot of things here so i'll just skip here uh to cut to keep it very short i think uh in one or two lines i think we know that there are several environmental problems in india so from one perspective india is suffering from the similar issues that are going on elsewhere as, as well but from other perspective we can say that india uh, at least from national geographic survey point so national geographic is a prominent magazine published in america but read across the world and wherever whenever they have done surveys uh, to to count the carbon footprint of each economy or each country in compare you know major countries such as brazil and china and india and australia united states canada and european nations india comes across as the greenest nation greenest economy because of the overall carbon footprint is least in india why is that so they they count these carbon footprints in four different categories housing needs in india are still very less because many people two or three generations live together under one one roof even today it's possible and and you know in my own home right now my parents live with me even even here in the united states but in india it's very common to live people joint families still uh, still a phenomenon a uh, transportation public transport is simply the need of the hour in india you, you people cannot even if they own the cars they cannot all drive at the same time or or uh, not each member of the family will have it so his his or her own separate car people like to carpool and just use public transport to avoid the you know congestion and and what not but the biggest reason for india's carbon footprint which is the lowest in the world compared to compared to other major countries or economies is that india's meat needs are still very less indian even though some people may consume egg or meat occasionally but that's not as if they need meat twice or thrice a day meat consumption is still very very less in india that puts the india's carbon footprint at the lowest scale so that's one reason major reason and that meat consumption lowest meat consumption in india in my opinion or my research uh, i would like to uh, attribute it to the influence of buddhism and jainism as uh, as it happened uh, more than 2 millennia ago when buddha and mahavira when the entire world was uh, experiencing this axis age where socrates and plato in greece uh, zoroaster in middle east uh, lao tzu and confucius in china and buddha and mahavira were very influential and as they taught their philosophies and their their traditions overall i think many indians uh, from that point on uh, cut down their meat consumption and uh, indians overall then became more and more more uh, conscious about how what kind of food they are eating so so that uh, now translates into the lowest carbon footprint as i was alluding to in the beginning uh, so why are why are jains so uh, obsessed about vegetarianism if if we take a deeper look as i was again touching in the beginning what exactly happens in the jain cosmology why meat why is uh, eating other other uh, beings is such a problem in in the jain tradition here is a a bit more deeper perspective on that so jain uh, cosmology looks at uh, the universe in this shape the jain universe looks like this as if a human being is standing with his hands on his waist and that's how the universe is so in the center region is the earth 
the uppermost region of the universe is the what I was calling Siddha Shila or Moksha land, uh, is where uh, all the souls reside forever after they att attain Moksha. These are the these are the regions of seven he heavens and eight hells. So hells and then earth and then heavens and the Moksha land or the uh, Siddha Shila. Now all of these uh, the entire universe is filled with millions and millions of distinct separate souls and each soul is interconnected uh, in 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 its survival in its existence it, it every so jain philosophy teaches that every soul wants to live forever nobody wants to be pained nobody wants to be hurt so we live by supporting and and taking care of each other so non violence becomes a prominent philosophy so for your own survival you cannot hurt other beings because every being wants to also survive and flourish in this universe. And through, through the uh, cycle of rebirth or transmigration or punarjanam, all of the souls are, are interconnected also, even beyond this one lifetime, because the life is infinite. The soul is, the journey of the soul is infinite also. So that's the Jain cosmology. So once present is connected with others past or future through this cycle of transmigration or punarjanam. So that's why the to avoid harming other beings in the in the universe is extremely important for Jain tradition because as if somebody is hurting other beings, it's it's creating more negative karmas. And for moksha, not just negative karma but even positive karma are to be completely cleansed off so that the those souls can go to the ultimate siddhashila. So that's a, in short, in nutshell, Jain philosophy and cosmology. Again, time is less, so I'm a bit rushing uh, forward. So, uh, so what Jain uh, taxonomy teaches uh, is by a prominent uh, Jain thinker, Acharya of 11th century, Shanti Suri, uh, in his Jain Vichar Prakaran, he, he categorized all the beings in the universe in five categories, uh, depending on the how many senses they have. So, so humans and gods and demons and mammals and reptiles and birds have five senses. So touch, taste, sense, smell, and hear. They are the sentient beings and non-sentient beings. So these are all equal. So, and then lower than that are the beings with only four, four senses, touch, taste, smell, and see, butterflies, flies, and bees, and then touch, taste, and smell, insects, and spiders. And then only two senses, touch and taste, worms, leeches, oysters, and snails. And finally, only one sense beings. So earth is also imagined with earth-bodied beings uh, have their own separate distinct souls. Water-bodied beings. So water is also water also has soul. Water-bodied beings also have souls, distinct separate souls. Fire-bodied beings and air-bodied beings. And the nigoda are the one-sense beings also, like one-cell beings, like amoeba or virus particles, for example. And then plants. So Jain uh, taxonomy or philosophy teaches that for human survival, if humans are killing other mammals or reptiles or birds, it is as if equal to killing another human being. So that's why. Jain philosophy emphasizes, emphasizes so much on vegetarianism. So meat coming out, coming, coming out from birds or reptiles or mammals is as bad as coming from a human being. So that's all on the same level, same hierarchy, right? So how should humans live in this universe? Humans should live in the universe by taking minimum of earth, minimum of water, minimum of fire, minimum of air, and minimum of negoda and minimum of plants. So minimizing the consumption coming out from one sense beings only. So that's the, in nutshell, uh, idea of vegetarianism and how Jainism 
in, uh, inspired millions and millions of people to cut down their meat consumption, avoid completely meat consumption. And even in the, among the plants, uh, not all plants can be consumed by gens, you know, by, so roots and stem cannot be eaten. So carrots and radish and potatoes and onions and garlics are all to be avoided by gens because they are all coming from roots or stems of a plant. So that's uh, again, extremely violent to kill the entire plant by root or stem. So even those are avoided. Uh, air is to be minimized also. So you may have seen many uh, Jain uh, monks and nuns, they keep their some kind of a mask on their, on their face, even before the pandemic, just to minimize even the consumption of air or even accidental ingestion of any microbes coming from air. Minimizing fire usage by Jains. So many Jains, devout Jains, after sunset will not consume any food. They will not even light, uh, switch on any light to minimize again fire, you know, by even uh, cause any harm to fire-bodied beings, fire souls in the fire-bodied beings. So even consumption of fire is to be minimized. Water is to be also taken with extreme care, extremely uh, frugal usage of water and earth, minimizing the usage of earth, minimizing the usage of any resources that is coming from the earth. So that is the way Jens have been living for more than several millennia. And that's, that connects very well now with keeping the carbon footprint low, keeping the climate change in, in, in check and keeping the biodiversity intact also. So these are some of the ideas that I thought I'll share. Uh, that's another perspective on Jain uh, taxonomy. World consists of living beings and non-living beings. Uh, soul can be mundane or liberated. Liberated are already attained moksha. And then mundane beings can be immobile, which is one sense beings of earth, water, fire, air, or plants. And mobile beings can be two, three, four, or five sense beings. So that's another perspective for, of the same taxonomy. Uh, then Jain philosophy or Jain dharma is also called as a philosophy or dharma of triple A's, Ahimsa, Aparigraha, and Anekantvad. So Ahimsa obviously translates very well with environmental protection by not causing harm to any, any plant or any living being in the universe. Aparigraha, cutting down one's consumption, cutting down one's accumulation, that connects very well with keeping the carbon footprint low. And Anekantvad uh, uh, connects with... Um, can be summarized by the story of this elephant and six blind men touching, trying to touch this elephant and coming up with different conclusions. But each perspective is partially true. So to arrive at the final truth or full truth, we need to combine all the different perspectives uh, without rejecting anybody as if they are, they are wrong. So, so that, connects, that can be translated into environmental protection by saying that not just human perspective is true for the environment, but even animals' perspectives should be Taken care, taken into account, what is what could be the Earth's perspective towards uh, towards environmental protection? So every perspective is to be combined, not just anthropocentric perspective or egocentric perspective. So there is a plural, plural plurality of reality and reality of plurality. That singularity creates bigotry and uh, 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 fanaticism and whatnot. So that's why we need to combine all these pluralistic perspectives. That's the uh, that's a you know in nutshell def definition of Anekantvad. Uh, in the history of Jain traditions, uh, Jain tradition, 24th Tirthankar was the contemporary of the Buddha. So let's start from this here, Mahavira. So Mahavira, Mahavira stayed, uh, lived uh, in 600 BCE, 600 uh, before Common Era, uh, almost contemporary to the Buddha. Uh, as he was passing away around the age of 70, he sends his most chosen disciple away from himself. And he says that there is somebody is trying to kill some 
uh, cattle, so go and stop that slaughter. So even at, at his last breath, Mahavir is very conscious of cutting down the violence, minimizing the violence, stopping the violence. And in his own uh, teachings, Mahavir says, trees are inherently valuable. Vegetation has life just as humans have. So long before science discovered plants have life, Jain Tirthankar Mahavir was already saying these things. Before, even before Mahavir, Parshanath has a similar story where he is inspired when somebody is trying to burn a snake. Parshanath takes a step and he responds to that. He saves that snake and that out of compassion, he eventually renounces his kingdom, his wealth, you know, his wealth and his princely life and becomes a Tirthankar and, and attains moksha. Similarly, Naminath, the 22nd Tirthankar, also responds to animal slaughter and, and he also similarly teaches about compassion. So those are the teachings that Jains have been always remind themselves of and that's how they have tried to follow the principles of nonviolence over the millennia. In other texts, uh, in Tatwar Sutra, for example, there are sayings like this, souls render service to one another so all souls should live together uh, without harming or without causing any hurt to any, any soul in the universe. We should live like behavior of the, we should learn from the bees. Bees take very small nectar from each flower without causing any harm to any flower or any plant. Similarly, humans should live by minimizing their need, by minimizing their consumption without causing any harm to the nature. Forests are like saints. Trees should be planted for positive karma. These are the kind of teachings that Jains have been uh, taught and the teachings that have been pro uh, pro propagated over, over centuries. Uh, then over the centuries, uh, uh, Jain householders have been, so, so these are the teachings and the Jain monks and nuns and Jain acharyas and Tirthankaras, uh, but even Jain uh, uh, householders, if you, if you notice most Jains, even today, you will find, rarely find any Jain getting involved into uh, the profession of charcoal uh, trading or timber trading, uh, pulling animals in carts, trading of alcohol, slave trading, weapons trading, poison trading, even sugarcane trading, fire trading, firearms trading, construction of lakes, these are all to be avoided by Jain, even Jain householders, Jain lay people. Uh, what they will do, what you will find them doing is that most Jain uh, lay people will be doing either trading kind of work, banking, relatively more nonviolent. So trading work, banking, commercial activities, clerical activities, diamond trading, traditional medicine, arts and crafts, government or ruler, uh, working for a ruler or government, manufacturing textile ma machines, publishing and media and education. These were the these are the historically uh, considered much more nonviolent uh, uh, professions compared to the right 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 side col column, which is seen as more violent. So Jain householders also try to prefer to avoid violent professions and go for more nonviolent. Uh, all right, let's keep going. Uh, there are, uh, I'm not sure how much time we have, but there are other philosophers in the West whose theories can be compared pretty well with the Jain ideas where Brian Sim talks about that material objects leads to consumerism, consumerism leads to depression. So Brian Swim uh, is a contemporary philosophers, philosopher in America, but that is already comparing, that can be easily compared with the Jain idea of aparigraha or non-accumulation, which is all about you know, cutting down one's consumerism, cutting down of uh, you know, minimizing one's accumulation of material objects. Then he says also that earth is alive and earth responds to our presence. That goes very well with Jain idea that earth bodied beings are alive and, and uh, earth also has soul. Uh, then uh, Brian Sim says that because of Big Bang theory, we all come from single origins. So we are all siblings in the, all the beings in the universe are all siblings. That goes very well with Jain respect for all jivas. Uh, that's by 
Brian Swim. And the next philosopher that I would like to share is Thomas Berry and David Abram. Berry says that world is a communion of subjects, not a collection of objects, which means that every thing in the universe, so-called what we might consider as non-living, even that is a subject, not an, not an object to be consumed. That goes very well, I think, with, with Jan view of soul in all beings, so earth and plants and everything has a soul, so everything has, a, has an agency, everything has, is a subject, not an object. Then Abram says diversity of local forms, and that goes well with Mahavir says that we should change minds of the people, not enforce our ideology on them. Trees are inherently valuable for, for beauty and strength. And, uh, and then David Abram says that senses are equally important uh, to study external reality from objective, uh, uh, from objective perspective. And that goes well, well with the focus on empiricism in Jain philosophy in Tatpar Sutra, for example. Uh, so, so objective study, and, and that's also compares well with David Abram and Thomas Berry. Uh, then other examples, uh, uh, at least Jain historical uh, texts mention that Ashoka's grandfather, Chandragupta Maurya, and Ashoka's grandson had, had both converted to Jainism in their later part of their life, and they lived as Jain, Achar, Jain monks in their, in their life. Uh, in Gujarat, several kings had uh, supported and embraced Jainism and they uh, prop propagated these non-violent teachings. Jain Acharyas were very influential in meeting Mughal emperors such as Akbar and Jahangir and even before Mughal uh, uh, emperors such as Tughlaq also they had met and they convinced these Muslim emperors also to adopt non-violence and vegetarianism for some part of the month and uh, even uh, to that extent they achieved some success in, in uh, spreading non-violence. How much time we have, Nagaraji? I can go on forever, but I'd like to respect the time. Okay, then, uh, then there is Srimad Ratchandra, and he had corresponded with Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi. When Gandhi was in, in South Africa, uh, Srimad Ratchandra had corresponded with Gandhi for six years, and Gandhi took several of his ideas and principles and that became the pillar of his own life. Gandhi's life is based on Satya and Ahimsa, Aparigraha, Brahmacharya, Purushartha and Upvas. And Gandhi's whole life can be seen as a living testimony, living laboratory of these principles. Where Gandhi's own food, for example, consisted only of small meals of nuts and fruits, minimizing the food consumption, daily ablutions of bodily, daily ablutions and bodily practices. Gandhi practiced yoga and meditation and, and whatnot. His own silence, practice of silence, was can be compared very well with Monbrat that many Jain and Hindu sannyasis also practice. Morning walks compare very well with Jain Munis who only walk. Jain Munis are, they never uh, take any ride on any vehicle, so all, only walking. Cultivation of small with a big, Gandhi takes care of, a, you know, even a small, every small animal in his ashram and, and that goes well with the Jain and Hindu teachings. Spinning wheel of Purusharth that I'll make on, I'll make my own cloth instead of depending on the textile cloth that was coming from the British. Abhorrence of waste, so all of these ideas were inspired by these principles that he uh, took from Jain Guru Rachan, with whom he corresponded for six years. So that's Gandhi's life can be seen as some kind of an, uh, you know, manifestation or example of uh, practice of Jain ideas. Uh, Jains today, unfortunately, are not sticking to those core ideas that, uh, that we took a look. Some of the Jain industries are in, indulged in getting indulged in some pollutions and strip mining industries and, and wastage of resources. Uh, but on the other hand, Jains are still supporting thousands of cattle sanctuaries across the world with Hindus, of course. 
And then Bird Hospital in Delhi is also a very prominent example of Jain nonviolence and compassion for animals. Uh, many, uh, uh, many of the wildlife sanctuaries in India, for example, Goa's largest wildlife sanctuary was, is supported by, by, by local Jains there. Uh, Jains are very active in, promo in pr promoting beef ban, for example, pinger poles, animal sanctuaries. Uh, uh, many Jain temples have gone solar to uh, cut down their, again, usage of Earth's resources, fossil fuel in, in across, across India and across America as well. Uh, many uh, traditional villages, such as Kichen village in Rajasthan, is supported by Jains where they take care of the birds, the cranes that are coming from Siberia. The Jains are the prominent supporters of or practice, practitioners of compassion for animals and birds. Uh, and, uh, and then here in America, also uh, similarly, Jain temples have gone green, gone green and cutting down their fossil fuel and, and so on. Uh, this I'll skip, I think I'll skip to the next one. And uh, cattle sanctuary similarly, yeah, so supporting more uh, animal work in America as well. Uh, going solar, as I mentioned. Uh, and that's it, I think. Uh, I hope I'm well within my time. These are my books. So if I have more time, I would have, can go on forever, forever but I'll stop and, thank and you maybe... Very much, uh, thank you very much, Professor. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, uh, Professor Jain has uh, waited through the night now. It is uh, midnight in uh, America. Uh, he, uh, we are grateful to you, sir. Are there questions uh, to him? Let me just uh, If there are any questions, I can take some questions. If not, uh, yeah. maybe next. Uh, yeah. What is the idea behind consumption of dairy products like milk, dahi, etc. is from Sachi J. Oh, yeah. Mil yeah, milk is an interesting question. Uh, some giant texts do say that even milk and dairy products, products are also to be avoided. Many Jain uh, monks and nuns, even in contemporary India, have gone vegan, uh, and they are discouraging the use, use of dairy products because dairy, as we know now, is not non-violent at all. You know, many dairies are using very violent means to extract milk from cattle. So, so many Jains are pr actively promoting veganism. There is one more question from Sneha Chavan. Isn't the diamond industry Related oh. to yeah, yeah. Diamond industry, uh, contemporary world is not violent, uh, not non-violent. Also, it's uh, it's very very violent uh, in Africa, especially slavery and all that. So uh, probably because Jains didn't see the violence being committed, you know, you know, with with direct means, so they took it as a you know as a non-violent profession. But now we know that diamond trading is 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 also very controversial. So so. But Jains are now, you know, we like it or not, Jains and Jews across the world are the leading, uh, are the leaders in, Jain, uh, in this diamond trading across the world, in Belgium, in, in Israel, in America, and in India. So that's how it is. But, but we know it's not, it is not non-violent. Yes. Uh, Shiva Kumar, this question is, is there any code of conduct for kings in Jain philosophy? Code of conduct for kings? Um, I think the basic code of conduct remains the same is to minimize violence. So, of course, no meat consumption. Uh, and uh, so historically, many emperors, many kings in South and North India have uh, gone out of their way to support Jain monks and nuns. So 
they will uh, you know donate heavily to these uh, jain monks and nuns uh, historically and uh, uh, and and by their own lifestyle try to uh, as they retire for example maybe after the age of 75 for example ashoka's own grandfather uh, chandrup maurya had completely renounced his all his kingdom and his all his wealth and he became a jain acharya he became a jain monk and uh legend has it that he lived somewhere near the bahubali in karnataka uh so so that is those are the some examples of jain kings and uh, emperors so kumarpal for example in gujarat who built all these magnificent temples across rajasthan and gujarat many many temples were built so so historically they donate their wealth to promote more jain principles by by these temples and by donating donating to jain acharyas monks and who she died has this question what about violence against mosquitoes at home i am a jain and this haunts me all the time sorry i didn't get it. violence by sorry what was that violence against mosquitoes <laughs> okay uh, yeah i think the be- best way is to minimize the growth of mosquitoes or any viruses uh, rather than going and killing mosquitoes because that's again violence so best is to keep everything clean and hygienic hygienic and everything so you don't grow them so you don't have to kill them but of there course is killing is killing here there's a comment here by nayantara chakravarti sure about uh, uh, i'm not sure how buddhism promoted vegetarianism after all oh. buddha died by consuming poison pork jainism of course <laughs> i understand the point on vegetarianism you had right. earlier Genism- made a comment that Buddhism also promoted vegetarianism. Right. Would you like to comment right. on that? Yeah, I think the uh, problem is that history of proper historical study of the life of Buddha and Mahavir has not yet been done. You know, there are many, many theories and stories how exactly Buddha died. Uh, there are some stories that Buddha uh, ate poisonous mushroom, not not meat. So that's one story. But there's also stories. There are also examples where Buddha. i think reluctantly allowed his disciples his monks and nuns to accept meat if it is given uh by by their supporters so there yeah so the buddhism does not go to that extreme of absolutely you sticking to non violence to the letter to the spirit as jains have been doing so of course jains are to the ultimate when buddha is sort of middle way between uh between the two extremes uh, but i do know that in tibet uh, i have here in dallas there is a tibetan monk and who his entire community in tibet is completely vegetarian completely vegan even and he is a, he himself is a passionate vegan in, in dallas so there are communities even outside india who are buddhists and who stick to vegetarianism so yes so there are diverse these diverse examples in the in the buddhist community across the world i in thailand and malaysia for example i have seen buddhists who will take tofu but no meat right so so there are different examples thank you very much sir uh...